0: The surgery on Thursday, which was just over four hours, um, went well, and he is recovering. It was somewhat interesting that one of his nurses, um, one of the nurse's dads is Colleen's dad's best friend from way back when. And so I was there Friday and uh, the nurse came in and Colleen was there with Todd and they said, hey, look at this picture. And it was a picture, probably Wayne, Colleen's dad, was in his early 40s, maybe even younger than that. And it was just amazing that and um, they were just excited that even in the small details, God allows family to take care of your loved ones in those moments. And so just continue to pray for Todd. He has a couple more days in the hospital. It was a heart surgery. Um, he, he was doing well. Uh, he just had a little cough uh, when I was there and he said, oh, that hurts. And uh, as you can imagine, um, he's on the road back to recovery. So uh, thank you for your prayers. Um, and we as a local church are able to give i think it's over three thousand dollars love offering to them during this time him without work and just that's a testament to us being the church that cares for one another and this is what ties and offerings go towards that we would be the church where people could see that there's a need and we can help as a body of christ meet those needs and if you have needs just let us know and we'll see not just financially but how can we help how can we be available to and for one another. One thing that we've mentioned in the past, and I just wanted to bring you up to date as we had a LAC meeting a couple weeks ago, we have this thing called the Vision Fund. We never wanted to call it the Building Fund because then it held us to a building and we didn't know if it was land or property or if Well, I shared that story about the church that wanted a steeple, but they had their steeple fund, but then there was a tragedy in the town, so they didn't have any money except for what was in the steeple fund, so they thought, hey, maybe people are more important than the steeple, and that happened on numerous occasions, and then they said, well, maybe we don't need a steeple, we need to be for people. And this is much the vision fund that if God wants us to have a facility, have a place, that is great. And we're beginning exploratory research. I don't know what else to say it, but we're asking questions and we may have to hire an engineer or look at uh getting somebody to say, where is this property? Could it be built on zoning? And it may cost some money, but we have been blessed with over a hundred thousand dollars in the past, I don't know, several years in this fund to say what. Does God have for us? And it's exploratory because we don't know, but we want to be following God where He's leading us, much like the experiencing God, a small group that we're going through, knowing and doing the will of God, finding where God is moving, adjusting our lives to join Him there, and knowing that commitment takes effort on our end, even though it's Jesus that paid the ultimate price. Before I start the sermon, I just wanted to share. Someone said, hey, Jeff, I really want to follow God. I just want his freedom. I just can't get over uh, myself, but I just want God so much. What would you suggest? And I said, well, you need to pray and ask God. He said, well, I, d- I did that. I know what God wants me to do. I just don't want to do it. So is there any other way that I can experience the joy that you talk about, but still living this life with the habit patterns I have? And I said, well, no, <laughs> I can You can come and we can talk, but you're paying for lunch next time because if it's the same answer, I don't want to be anyway. But it's just those things of we want something easy and God has a plan for us, but we need to adjust our lives to where he's taking us. So be praying for us as a congregation, as a leadership team. Be praying that things might open up. I just um, gave a Bible study to the Middlesex therapist. Re- residence center. I think I have that name right. And next to it, there's a huge building that has state records. So I think we could move that paperwork somewhere, move in there, right? That could be a good plan. But I just thought of that facility, that building. It's like that would be an awesome place. But just be praying as. We think it's time now, as God's blessed us again with over $100,000. Maybe your bank accounts are flush with that amount of money or much more. But for me, I'm like, oh, I'm glad it's God's money, not my money, because I'd have it spent by now. And it's well, maybe it is time that we start to seek where God might have us and have us be effective for this community in his love for for the future. So did you hear the news? This is how we uh, left it last week. We talked about, did you hear the news? And we talked about sometimes when you go into a place and they say, did you hear the news? It's never positive. It's usually negative. Sometimes it's mostly gossip. And did you hear the news? Did you hear the news? Well, did you hear the news that we wrestle not against flesh and blood? But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Do you realize, Vicki and I were just speaking earlier today, that we wrestle not against people, but against evil, this flesh within us. We want to do what we want to do, but God is saying there's something more. There's something greater. There's a plan for uh, our lives because what God has done through his son, Jesus, and sometimes we look at the circumstance instead of looking at the spiritual forces of Jesus, the overcomer, the victor. So Saul, as he was approaching Damascus on his mission to kill Christians, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing evil in my name? But it's not for me. It's against me. Conviction is birthed from conviction passion this is god saying i have great compassion that's why i'm convicting you to my friend i would share with him it is because god loves you that he's calling you to a greater purpose to sacrifice what we want to do to give up those habits for the sake of him it's not cuz he's saying i want you to be bored i want you to hate life i want you just to be angry cuz you can't do what you want to do but it's more i want this conviction to be on you so you understand that i am compassionate I am loving. I have empathy. I understand what you're going through. And I want you to know that in me, in Jesus, there is great healing and hope. So the Lord isn't really about being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent from Second Peter. This is Peter saying, Jesus isn't saying, hey, like, I have all day. And it's not Jesus saying, you have to change right now. This is just Jesus saying, I am patient with you because I don't want any to perish. But there is a time, there is a day for people to die, for the judgment to happen. There is that reality that there is going to be accountability for how we've lived. Have we chosen God or not? But God is not quick to bring that punishment. Because he does not want anyone to be destroyed, even Saul, one who was traveling, looking for Christians to kill. So Saul, verse 4, he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting interesting, maybe a bit of conjecture, but Saul is saying, I want to destroy Christians in the name of Jesus because they're heretics. They're going against the law of Moses. And so he would say, he would assume that he knew the voice of Jesus because that was in his name, Jesus' name, that Saul was going to destroy Christians. And then he hears the actual voice of Jesus. If Jesus spoke to you in an audible voice, would you know it was Jesus? Sheep know their shepherd's voice. Saul had to come to grips of, this is a different voice. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. What do you think Saul was thinking when he picked himself up off the ground? He was blind in later states. And he hears this voice that you must go and I will tell you what you must do. You must do what? Pay penance? This is self-inflicted. Like, oh, what do I have to do? I have such great remorse. Uh, What do I have to do? I personally would have been a bit nervous, if not scared. Like, you're telling me what I need to do? I know what I've done. And I know that what I've done is not of you and therefore deserves great punishment. But God was not asking for penance. He was asking for obedience. This is Samuel. Interesting. It has nothing to do with uh this topic necessarily, but I like it because this is the Old Testament Saul, and then we're talking about the New Testament Saul. There's not like the Old Testament Saul and the New Testament Saul. They aren't the same person. I just thought it was kind of interesting how this is about the Old Testament Saul. What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifice or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than... You can say that obedience is better than And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. The fat of rams is kind of like, is it pork rinds? Like, I don't know what that's talking about. But uh, obedience is better than sacrifice. So if you were Saul, the New Testament Saul, he might be thinking, now I have to pay penance. Now I have to give sacrifice. Now I have to just go with sackcloth and ashes and with my head down in complete humility because, oh, I know what I've done. And Jesus is saying, no, your obedience, I'm going to make Make you victorious. I'm going to let you know that you are an overcomer. That there is a great plan for you, despite this that's happened. Anybody watch Super Bowl? It's kind of a boring. Actually, it was an exciting Super Bowl, but I fell asleep because my team wasn't in it. But I just listened to Brian Dodd, who shared about his uh, perspectives on the Super Bowl. Christian guy. He worked with John Maxwell. I've gotten to meet him, and he shared this story. So Brian, I'm giving you credit, but I'm stealing what you had to say. As a football player, as an athlete, you have this dream as a kid. I want to play on a team that wins a championship. And then you might have this dream. You might have this thought and to score the winning touchdown would be the most amazing thing to happen in my career, in my life. As a kid, you grow up playing a sport. You grow up acting or playing an instrument and you just have this great dream of what could happen what is going to take place this incredible dream so the Kansas City Chiefs were playing against the Philadelphia Eagles in this game called the Super Bowl it's the championship game it's the big kahuna it's the winning thing where you get to go to Disneyland after and this would be the one where if you got to score the game winning touchdown it would be in the Super Bowl in this guy In red, Kansas City Chiefs playing against the Philadelphia Eagles. He understood one thing. His opponent was not the Philadelphia Eagles. It was the clock. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. This guy, let me give you his name. You can see him now. He's sliding intensely. These guys are not lunging to tackle him. They aren't jumping to tackle him. They are pursuing him intently because they want him to score because they also understand if he scores, the clock will stop and they have a chance to get the ball back. Opportunity. We don't believe in chance. We're Wesleyan Church. So they have the opportunity to get the ball back. But Jarek McKinnon knew his opponent was not the Philadelphia Eagles. It was the clock. So what did he do? when he had a chance to fulfill all of his childhood dreams, all the things that he grew up as a kid, that he was coached to do, that he wanted to do when he played in college, when he made it to be a professional athlete, to score the game-winning touchdown in the biggest game of all games. He knew his enemy, his opponent, was not the Philadelphia Eagles, but the clock. And so Jarek McKinnon took a knee, and let the clock wind down so his teammate could kick the game-winning field goal and people would remember his teammate winning the game. Saul is being called to this position of, I want you to do something spectacular for me, but you know your past. A lot of us know Saul, who becomes Paul and writes the majority of the New Testament. Many of us do not know Ananias. We know another Ananias who, well, lied, and this is not the same Ananias. But just think for a moment, Jarek McKinnon. Just think for you, as a kid, what were your dreams? What was something that if you had the opportunity to accomplish it, to win the game, to have your name in all the history books on Trivial Pursuit, if they still do that, or whatever game show, who scored the game-winning touchdown in the last Super Bowl, and you had your name, Jerick McKinnon. But he took a knee because he understood It was against the clock. It wasn't against the Philadelphia eagles. We go, Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. Saul, so his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. What was his response? But there's an exclamation. So what was his response? And once more, it was, yes. yes, Lord, he he replied. Yes, Lord, when you hear the voice of God. Saul, he heard the voice of God. He's like, what? I don't recognize this voice. And Ananias hears the voice of God, and he says, yes, Lord. The Lord said, go over to the straight street. To the house of Judas, when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. This is Saul of Tarsus. This is the man they knew was persecuting Christians. He is praying to me right now. This is God telling Ananias, a voice that Ananias recognized, Saul is praying to me right now. Go to him. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Not just physical I say, but spiritual depth as well. So what was Ananias's response? <laughs> you have to laugh when you read the Bible because you're like, whoa, that is so like me. And it's so non-spiritual. It's not like, okay, what's the address again? I'm on my way. It was, but Lord, come on now. Like, I have dreams of being a believer, to share my faith, to be a witness. This guy, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. Now, sometimes when we pray, it's real because you want to be real and have a conversation with God, but it's kind of like we need to inform God. God, I don't know if you know this, you are God, but uh, this guy, Saul, he's not a nice guy. Like, God, can't, you? maybe you've been busy, like, solving a bunch of problems. Can I kind of bring you up to date on who this guy is that you want me to go talk to? This guy, he's done terrible things. So in a vision, Ananias says, yes, Lord. And then God says, hey, I've sown Saul, not just you, but I've also shown Saul a vision. But Lord, do you know Do you know what you're asking of me? Like, I'm just Ananias. Like, I'm just trying to follow you. I I have my own group of people that I want to invest in, that I want to share your love, that I've poured my heart out to, that they're holding me accountable, that I can ask them to pray for me. I just, but Lord, but Lord, I have great dreams of winning the Super Bowl and having my name in lights and being in a parade You want me to take a knee and I'm going to be a forgotten person in this Super Bowl? You want me to sit in the background? You want me to lift somebody else? Like, isn't it my time? Isn't it my turn? Haven't I done enough for you? You want me just to allow you to lift somebody else? But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Now read it like Ananias. You know, God, he's been given authority to uh, arrest everyone. That includes me. God, that includes me that you're asking me to go to him to. But the Lord said, go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. I should have done my research. Maybe somebody knows the guy that kicked the game-winning field goal. that That's like, okay, Jarek McKinnon, you are a football player. And for those that don't follow football, kickers kind of get made fun of because they aren't really football players. They're more like soccer players that, you know, they just kick the ball. No offense to soccer players, but soccer OK, quick side note. Uh, I work with a bunch of guys that grew up playing soccer. They love soccer. They told me soccer is the most played sport in the world. And I said, by who? And they said, well, mostly kids, because every kid plays. And I said, yes. And then you become a man and then or a grown up and then you play a real sport like basketball or something else. But that's a side note. I apologize. But anyway. So you have this opportunity to be known, to be seen and Ananias, by all accounts, by the reason God chose him is because he was humble. He followed Jesus. He was doing the right thing. And God's like, hey, I want you to lift somebody else up because I have a special plan for their lives, a chosen instrument. So we look back in First Peter once more. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become The cornerstone, but for us that choose him, he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. Ananias had a choice and he chose the right way, but you are not like that, Ananias. Or us followers of Jesus, for you are a chosen people, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of the darkness and into His wonderful light. This is the opportunity that God is giving to us, not that we would get our name and banners or on banners or in lights, but God might use us that others might know because we declared Jesus. Saul, because there are consequences, sin is sin. and God's eyes, sin is sin. There's no big sin, no great sin, no little sin, no white sin. Sin is sin, but there are consequences that differ. For Saul, he had this consequence. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, I'm not saying Ananias was like, oh, good, because if I'm not going to be uh, the one in charge, at least make him suffer a little bit before you can use him. That's a pretty jaded, cynical way to look. Sometimes I have felt that way, and you could pray for me because I need prayer a lot. But there was a reality that all of us have consequence for our sin and for our action. So Ananias went and found Saul. He did not ask another question. He did not make another excuse. He went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, brother Saul. It's interesting how he said brother, because in this culture, brother family was so important that it had to mean something. He was acknowledging that Saul was now part of the family of God. He was acknowledging that there was forgiveness between him and Saul for what Saul had done to the other Christians. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is kind of interesting how he said, The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me. He was trying to put a reminder like, hey, God sent me. God sent me. The one that knocked you off your horse. He sent me. That's why I'm here. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was. Then he got up and was. Philip. He met this Ethiopian and he explained this uh, scripture to this Ethiopian and the Ethiopian said, hey, there's water there. And the Ethiopian got. I've heard people tell me, Jeff, baptism, like doesn't matter if you're baptized. God knows if you're saved or not. Well, he does know if you're a Christian or not but it's a public declaration for yourself to tell others that you want to publicly declare to everybody and be held accountable by your church family. Be held accountable by your church family that you want to grow, that you want sin pointed out. Be held accountable by your church family that you want people to come into your life so you can be um, made mature in him and be baptized. And I want them to see and know that I'm serious about this commitment. I want to live a consistent life of faith to Jesus. Saul, when he got up, was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. You have Saul that has this great plan of what he thinks he needs to do. You have Ananias that feels like, hey, I'm just a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I just want to declare to God. But their dreams, neither of them turned out the way they expected or they had hoped. In many ways, both of them were like Jerick McKinnon who took a knee. More Saul was forced to his knees because God was on him so strong. And then Ananias had the choice Sometimes we read the Bible and we think like, well, those characters, they didn't have any choice. They couldn't tell Jesus. No, like, of course, like just like us. And i Shared it before because I heard it once and we don't we didn't play cards growing up because you didn't play cards. I don't know exactly why no gambling was seen as bad. I don't know face cards, but I digress. But it's not like God broke uh, or misshuffled the deck of cards and he dropped it. He's like, oh, no, it's 2023. Billy Graham should have been now. Or, oh, no, I wish Moses. We need Moses now. He shouldn't have been in the ancient days of the Old Testament. We need Moses now. God's like wringing his hands and just wondering, like, what did I do? Like, I dropped the deck of cards. The wrong people. They were born at the wrong time. Like, we, need- Jesus came that we might know salvation, that whether it's you, say your name in your head, Or your spouse, if you have a spouse, say their name in your head. Or the person next to you, or behind you, or you might not even know their name. It's not by chance that we are here today hearing how God wants to use us as he used Ananias as he used Saul. God wants to use us to say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Immediately. Saul began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue saying he is indeed the son of God he is indeed the son of God we're going to close um again with my friends Dave and Bethany Club they were like on repeat as we were going through COVID and it was just online only because they submitted a couple songs and they're great friends I love them to death but uh, my mom always said, what a great service when I played Dave and Bethany Club. So I thought we'd play them again as we close. And this is our benediction before we go and have brunch and have just a little gathering together. We trust you can stay. But um, this is one of my favorite songs, and we just sang it earlier. God
1: is so good. And he's so faithful all the time. Every no matter what you're going through, he is good. Deserves our praise and our worship. For some of you today, probably is a big sacrifice to lift your eyes to him and to sing this. Because there's so much challenge and turmoil going on in your life. My friends, that's exactly when you need to lift your eyes and when you need to raise your song of praise and declare the goodness. Join us. Let's declare the goodness of God together today. I love you, Lord. Sing it. To oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days. Very good. is saying